1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 80 of So You Want To Be A Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. What have you been up to this week?
2: I've been trying to keep warm. It's like... I don't want to complain. <laughs> it's okay. just really cold. It is cold, Melbourne. isn't it? And um, I had a whole day's work planned to do uh, in front of my computer, and uh, the power uh, was turned off because I was doing work up the street. So. Oh, no. No heating, no power. I had to go up the road and work. I wasn't happy. And so now I've come back and I'm decked out like Rocky, (laughs) Got my beanie on because the house is freezing, Val. You mean the
1: power's still?
2: not? No, it's come back on but just. Right. So, um, yeah, the house hasn't warmed up yet.
1: Oh, my goodness. So where did you go and work up the road?
2: Up the road in a cafe. I even had to make – poor Gary, a little hot water bottle because he was cold. He's just had all his fur uh, trimmed, so he was feeling the cold.
1: (laughs) Oh, poor Gary. And, of course, new listeners, Gary is Gina's dog, (laughs) which is like a Maltese Shih Tzu, is that right? Yes. Yes. He's pretty special. (laughs) (laughs) Is that special in inverted commas? (laughs) Well, you know, he's unusual, your dog, isn't
2: he? No. No, it's nothing wrong with him.
1: <laughs> he'll he'll just turn sometimes, you know, and decide after Don't thinking go that, there. <laughs> you're, you're his best friend that he might have. What have you been doing, friend. Val? <laughs> <laughs> what have I been doing? I oh my goodness, I did so many squats today. Squats that, go. Yeah, that I don't think I will be able to walk for the next couple of days. So squats
2: with the bar across your uh Shoulders.
1: Yes, both. So across your traps, but also so high up, but also across, sort of like a little bit lower. And um, did so many. I can't even. I just. How much can't, weight? Can't feel my legs. Depends how- what I was doing. So they, I'm not very good with squats. Um, unlike how far Dennis. down do you go?
2: Do you go all the way down?
1: Um, almost. So obviously, the heavier the weight. The harder that is, so I don't quite go. So you want to be a gymnast,
2: folks? Welcome to.
1: (laughs) That's right. We digress. (laughs) We're meant to be talking about photography. (laughs) We're meant to be talking about photography, but here we are talking about dogs (laughs) and squats. So instead, let us move on. We're going to give a shout out to Michael Brewer. And Michael uh, has said, I wanted to say how nice it is to be part of this group. I haven't posted for a while because my camera gear was stolen out of my car two months ago. Oh, goodness me. That's awful. And I've been going through those stages of grief. Oh, understand. Now, I'm in a Zen space about it. Hopefully, they will end up with someone who will use them to create something beautiful. That is such a nice know, way of looking it? at it Michael oh, well yeah. done for coming to that getting to that stage Michael continues Now I'm ex- excited about buying new gear but have no idea where to start I have been a Nikon person ...but am interested in Canon 2 and would consider switching now. My budget is around 2500 US, but I could go a little higher. So, presumably, Michael is looking for advice on what to buy. Is that right, Gina?
2: Yes. So, when he posted this, I offered to uh, make a list for him of new <laughs> gear. And, of course... I want to talk about stuff that uh, I'm familiar with, so uh, I've done a a Canon shopping list for him. Yes. Um, And so basically uh, my thoughts on that sort of budget, and I've always said this, I I think you can get more bang for your buck if you look at buying maybe part of the gear secondhand and then getting some of the gear new. So... um, uh, a good a good place to start michael before you start shopping is to maybe listen to ep 62 bargain hunter how to buy new and used gear which uh we we sort of run through um how to negotiate for new gear because you can still get a uh, a good price on uh, on brand new gear and uh and also how to buy used gear so there's lot lots of handy tips uh on that so but basically um michael if you're going to be buying uh second hand you're going to get a slightly better camera for your money so rather than um sort of with a budget of uh two and a half what's that in Australian dollars val
1: about three thousand
2: two hundred about three you, you did that so well <laughs> Rain man um, three <laughs> thousand two hundred so it's probably uh going to get get you uh perhaps not brand new pro gear, pro cameras probably around 7,000 just for the body. So you won't get any like many lenses, but you could sort of get mid-level uh, gear and maybe one or two lenses. But if you went um, the second hand option, I recommend, like, you could get a full-frame uh, sensor, which is uh, sort of uh, almost, pro- well, it's considered pro, but many pros use this camera, the 5D Mark II for about 750 to 850 US. So, that would be on my list. That's the one I recommended you Um, by Val, and you've been very very happy with it. Yes, very happy. And uh, I know a lot of people that use that. It's a great camera. So that gets you a full-frame sensor. And then uh, in terms of lenses I would buy, if, uh, Michael, you're going to be doing uh, sort of portrait shoots, uh, which I think he mentioned in one of his other comments, so I would definitely put in the 24-105L to series, you can get that second hand for about 350 US dollars mm-hmm. and uh i would also definitely cuz so the 24 to 105 is the good traveler lens i call that the traveler it's the best all-rounder it's great for uh shooting events uh it's good for portraits uh and it's good for uh lifestyle you can do also do um landscape with it and uh um it, because it's got the macro function you can also shoot products with it so i i i personally believe it's canon's best lens and the most sort of underrated of their lenses mm. next on my list Val, is the canon 70 to 200 l series now this is the version one uh second hand you can pick one of those up for about about 800 us this is a ripper of a lens it's my workhorse i've just upgraded to the version two um and uh i'm very happy with it and i uh, was very happy with the version one as well so it's perfect for portraits Uh, It it does about 80% of uh, the work that I do is done on this lens. I used it for uh, many, many years, uh, like, yeah, day in, day out, never had a problem with it. So I reckon that that's a good buy secondhand as well. Lenses, by the way, they're made to last. Like, you you should be able to get at least 10 years out of your lens. So, like, you buy them to, to keep and have them for a long time. And then just for fun, Or just for more variety, I threw in the Canon 50mm 1.4, which you can pick up uh, for about 300 US. That's just a good all-rounder for uh, portraits and uh, shooting all sorts of stuff. And the 1.4 focal length means it's a fast lens. So you can use it if you're shooting locations where you want to throw the background out of focus. Uh, you can do that on the 1.4, so that's a, a great a great lens. I think it's also called the Nifty Fifty. Um, as well as that, I'd add uh, you pro- probably want uh, some lights there too, Michael. So maybe a speed light. So I'd look at maybe the uh, Yongnuo. Uh, they've got a 600 EX speed light for about 100 US and a couple of the uh, Yongnuo remote triggers as well thrown in, and that, that brings up around the 2500 budget. Hopefully mm. I've done my math right, Val Rayman. What you, did you add them up? Did you check?
1: <laughs> no, I, the I did it. but <laughs> I believe you. I believe you.
2: Good. Um, Michael, if you really love that new camera smell, and there are a lot of people that just don't, like to buy secondhand, like I've talked about my mum who refused to buy secondhand clothes and always used to say that, tell me off whenever I'd go op shopping because she yeah. said someone might have died in those clothes, yep. you know, so um, there are people who don't like buying second hand, don't want to take the risk, then if you're buying new for that sort of money, the Canon 6D is a great camera, I'd get that with uh, a 24 to 105 L series lens that cost you around 1900 US and then with that uh, look at the Sigma 70 to 200 F2.8 lens you can pick that up for about 800 so that's slightly over budget but that gets you all brand new gear and that's uh, a pretty good kit there as well to replace the one that was stolen
1: fantastic kit and of course we'll put all of those links in the show notes so all of those um, items will be listed along with links in the show notes which you can find at gina that's m-i-l-i-c-i-a uh but we also want to give a shout out to ron don't we non Navarite, i think yeah. or non rete and um Ron has a new website which is outside the photopit.com. And what he's said is that he is—he's a, a music photographer, mm-hmm. and uh, more people are recognizing his work in Miami. But he hasn't had that much paid work as far as clients hiring him. Um, and he has been telling people that he's been working with of his services, especially headshots and photo sessions and all of that. So Ron has asked, what else can he do with his marketing so that he can generate more business? And over the last year, he's been photographing musicians in Miami, networking with the musicians' public relations management, which is a very good thing mm. to do. Um, and he's saying that over that time, he's not – he's not saying that he's the first person they think of when it comes to covering their artists. So he's saying it's frustrating to see on social media, how an artist I've been working with post a brand new photo and announce it was part of a photo shoot with another photographer. And he thinks, you know, well, why didn't they contact me? So absolutely um, Mm -hmm. frustrating. I completely understand. And we'll, we'll tackle that in this episode as well. Um, And, you know, Ron says he doesn't just want to be a good local photographer. He wants to do more than that. He wants to photograph bigger-name artists and celebrities around the world. So, uh, absolutely, you know, we've all got to start somewhere, but it's great to have that goal. And ultimately, Ron does want to be the first person people think of when they want their headshots and publicity and photo sessions and stuff like that. So... It, they're all really good questions, mm. Ron, and I'm sure that you're not the only one who is in this situation. Whether you photograph music or or, or whatever industry you photograph, um, I'm sure there's um, quite a few things that we can learn from, um, you know, Ron's questions. So, yep. where do you want to start, Gina?
2: Well, um, let's just tackle uh, the first questions that he's asking, like you know, why when he's asking, like, he wants to be that first person that they think of and and those frustrations. And I just want to say to Ron that, like, you're not the first person to have those thoughts, and I had them as well when I was starting out. And the same frustrations where when I was trying to break into uh, even the uh, TV industry, there was, uh, you know, a, 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 a while there where I was overlooked and I couldn't understand, you know, why why aren't they picking me? I know I'm good enough. I know I'm ready. And, uh, you know, it was really frustrating. But, you know, the thing is, like, maybe I wasn't Val at the time, but I thought I was. And um, I, in kind of looking back, um, I'm kind of glad that I didn't get the break too early because what happens, the danger is even if you think or you've got the work um. That's good enough, you might not have the capacity or the experience to work under the kind of pressure that you're going to be put under when you're doing a shoot. For real, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and and that's um, that's something that, that that needs to be considered. And so, it's kind of good that I had a little bit of time to go away and hone my people skills, to hone my um, lighting skills, to be able to learn how to shoot under pressure. And it was that working with models day in day out that that, that taught me how to uh, pose really quickly, pose under pressure, and do lots and lots of and be able to come up with lots and lots of different looks and be able to work that way that gave me a point of difference Val to the Mm. other photographers Mm. and that was that's how I got my in so I found a way to stand out from the other photographers and that people could remember me for and I was known for the photographer who was a bit pushy (laughs) (laughs) and worked really quickly and the the thing that the common thing that was said about me in those early days was and she directs Mm -hmm. and they always said it with great surprise and she directs she makes it really easy she shows you what to do she poses you she's really good with people she's particularly good with difficult people and she's good under pressure yeah And that's so whenever a shoot like that came along, more and more and more I started to get a reputation as that the photographer that they they called on for that. So Ron, I found a way to find my point of difference. So so what is yours? What is the thing that people are going to talk about? in terms of the way you shoot what do you want to be known for i know you want to be the best in the business that goes without say but what is it what makes you stand out it can't be you can't be all things to to everyone there has to be and a, Like you could be the, the calm photographer that's called on to just to calm things down or you might be the scrapper that gets in there and gets the shot where the shot might be impossible or the one that's great with working with large groups, Ron, or the, the one that's fantastic at capturing the live performances. What is it? What's your niche going to be? Do, do you agree well, Val?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's quite a few things that Ron could do, but there's, that's certainly a really good start. Determine your niche, yes. Um, and
2: and the other thing that I uh, recommend, Ron, that you do is really focus on uh, developing your style and yeah. make that one that stands out. So you want to be able to, uh, if someone else posts a photo that's yours I want your friend, you know, people who 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 know you to look at the shot and they go, I didn't even have to look at the byline. I knew it was yours. Mm. I knew by the way the person was posed. I knew by the post-production. I knew by the way it was shot that it was one of your shots. And, and, and it's like that. that's another thing that um, I'm really proud of in the way that my style has evolved that, like, people can say, I opened up the paper, looked on page three, and I knew that was your shot, Gina. You know, because it was just like because of the way it was posed, or the post production, or the style, just knew it was yours. So, so developing your style, Ron, is something that um, you need to um, spend some time working on. And and the thing that I recommend to photographers is don't be afraid to um, find the photographers who work, whose work that you love, um, and they could be photographers from like. 50 years ago, uh, contemporary ones. I would actually go back in time um, rather than copy what's around now and find the ones that, like, that that really inspire you and look at their lighting, look at how they do their post-production, look at how they expose, look at how they pose and copy it, Ron. Yep, copy, absolutely. Copy, copy, copy. And what's going to happen is, like, you might want to set up um, – some test shoots where you approach a band and go, Hey, I want to shoot like, uh, I want to shoot a style and, uh, I want to do a shoot in this style and just, you know, even copy a famous photo exactly is a really good uh, technique to do. I used to do it. Val, you remember I went through my Herb phase. Yeah, then absolutely. Then I went through my Annie Leibovitz phase, um, yeah. you know, and uh, every photographer that in- inspires me, I will go out and go, I want to see what it's like to shoot like them I'm going to copy them exactly. And then what happens is over the years, your own style evolves and you you tend to find that you'll take uh, a bit of this, a bit of that photographer, a component of that and mash them all up and eventually you develop your own style.
1: Yeah, and it's not as if you're copying it as in copying it because you're just copying a style because obviously you don't have the same model, you don't have the same location, you don't have – you're not doing a photocopy of it. You're just just copying a style and I do agree that that is really useful because certainly in the world of magazines when I'm producing my pages in a magazine, I have sometimes just said I'm just going to copy that particular look in, you know, and it might be in a magazine that I've seen in New York or something like that, but I'm doing my version of it and, and it, you know, it ends up fantastic. Yep. So you're, you're right. You're right. Um, In terms of, so I agree with all of those things. Um, I think that when you are trying to make a name for yourself as a photographer, because I've commissioned hundreds of photographers and uh, the things that I look for are obviously number one, good quality shots, without a doubt, you need to showcase good quality shots. Number two, I always ask myself, is the photographer easy to deal with? because who wants to deal with a pain right and yeah. I'm not suggesting at all that you are on but but in terms of easy to deal with it you got to think about well what are they looking for in a photographer so to give you an example I'm certainly not a musician but I speak on stage and uh, I was at an event a while ago and the photographer and usually at these events the photographers know what they're meant to be doing and what's expected of them but this particular photographer was new so she didn't probably know the ropes in a sense or hadn't done too many gigs before and so you make some rookie mistakes and one of the things that she did and because she wanted to she wanted to stand out because it, she wanted people you know she wanted to meet people and hopefully get more business so she wore quite bright clothes right and if you're tr- meant to be an event photographer you're meant to blend into the background hmm. so while I was on stage doing my thing there she is going all over the place and she was being really obvious because she had bright clothes. Right. And so my I was being distracted by her, but so the audience was being distracted by her as well. Um, I've been in a situation once where a photographer not only did that, she also wore really jangly jewelry, right. which if you are speaking on stage and there's this, real, <laughs> there's this noise mm-hmm. going on it's not the right thing to do. So I would never book those people again because they haven't got what it takes, what no, they don't know what they need to do to be an event photographer. That's not to say they aren't good photographers. Yeah, but you know you got to think. Well, what's expected of you? So, are you wearing the right clothes? Are you one of the things? Another rookie mistake is that photographers think that um, sometimes they need to be the center of attention because they need to garner everyone, you know, get garner the tr- gather the troops, so to speak. But in fact particularly in music photography, you need to be as unobtrusive as possible because the focus needs to be on the band. Yep. So you might have all of those things down pat already, Ron. So that's that's just, you know, mentioning for some people who um, uh, who may not have thought of those things. But the other thing, as I mentioned, was showcasing your work. So you're going to be commissioned on the quality of your work. And your website, when you go to the artist's gallery, there's 64 photos on it. But the the thing, and that's great. That's good to show the length and breadth of your mm. of your photography. But they are arranged in alphabetical order, and they need to be arranged above the fold. Needs to be the quality of the shot. So your absolute best shots need to be above the fold. Yeah. So you need to pick the the killer shots, the cracker shots, and you have some cracker shots. Yes. Keith, but they're not in. They're not above the fold. The, the The things above the folder are just you know bands starting with A and B yeah,
0: <laughs>
1: and so you need to perhaps think about rearranging the order of your shots so that people see straight away the cracker shots.
2: And see straight away, being the operative word there, Val, so yeah. the thing that I noticed when I went to the site, Ron, is the first photo that comes up, you've got like a cover image of a stage, and I get what you're trying to do here, but you've got to remember that uh, people uh, don't have uh, much patience these days, and no. what's the average length of time that someone will spend on a, a website, it's not very long at all, no statistics are really disappointing when you find out so you've got a you've got like seconds to grab someone's attention particularly if you're say um uh, an artist uh you represent a band and and you want to find a photographer so you'll look up on google your name will come up five other photographers and um they'll go to your website and uh if they've got a then what you're, what you've got, if you've got all your work up there, but then you're asking people to come in and sift through all the stuff, and it's like when you, you know, when uh, shops have a sale, valve mm-hmm, and yes. they put all the clothes in the in the sort of this this big sort of um, bin there in front of you, and you've got to sift through them all. Mm-hmm. I won't look. No, I want them in front of me on a mannequin, and all the best pieces there. That's how I shop, Absolutely. and I know that's how a lot of people. So, Ron, the As soon as someone opens your website, I want to see your 10 best images that smack me in the face. Bang, bang, bang bang, bang, because if you've got one bad shot on there, that's going to put people off. You want to just have your best work, page one, and then from each of those, uh, if if you want to then show uh, that you've worked and done a lot of work, that's great, but then you can link to um, each individual band so that they can go on and they can see, okay, when you shot this band, look at all the variety that you've got. That's all great, but page one needs to really just like showcase all your good stuff there and then.
1: And of course, page one, I mean, Ron, we don't know the structure of your site. So maybe you don't have the option to have your 10 best images on that homepage. So maybe you do have to pick one single image. No, no, as, but he
2: could do that as a thumbnail, Val. Like he's got a full frame image there. He could he could have the 10 shots there as what if, if the website doesn't not, allow no, him to do then that. Then it's
1: not mobile responsive. Right, okay. So if you, your site is such that you do need that one single cover image, just make that cover image count. And it needs to be one of your cracker images because you yeah. do have cracker images. They're, they're yeah. fantastic. So pick one of those if you need to and, and, and put that as the cover because... At the moment, well, the one you've got on the cover is a set, so it's a, it's a, oh, I don't know, seven-piece band. It's a, I don't know how many-piece band. It's a, and um, uh, on and all the instruments and booms and microphones are on the stage, so it's set up. But there's no people in it, so there's no musicians, no one's playing, no music's playing. There's no life in the shot. So even though that's certainly a good image for certain purposes, if you're going to have one cracker image, there needs to be life in the shot. If you want to be a music photographer it needs to have a musician in it who's actually performing um as opposed to you know a a series of instruments where no one's playing them so um uh, yeah so just a few things in terms of the the impression that you're giving with giving people and also a couple of things in terms of uh, when you hand the shots over this is also a rookie mistake um because you know rookie photographers do this to me is they will download all the files and particularly in a night like um, as, you know when you've got an event on, it's, it is hard to transfer files after the event. So sometimes what photographers will do is put them all on a um, USB or SD card or whatever and give that to you or transfer it straight to your computer. But especially if you're new, you've got to edit the shots and you've got to make sure that you're only Mm. giving them the cracker shots, the really, really good shots. And, um, and also in some cases where you are taking group shots, so not the stage shots where they're performing live, but maybe you're backstage and you're putting them in a group. Make sure you listen to the, um, uh, episodes we've, where we're talking about group shots or have a look at the posing course that Gina has um, because she covers how to do group shots. Think about how you're arranging the shots because if they're they're kind of just all standing there um, posing like, you know, a family photo kind of thing, it doesn't bring that extra element of oomph, um, and and you might get be capturing those fantastic stage shots, but you also need to be capturing that just that extra element of oomph, it, even in your backstage shots. Don't be afraid to take that extra minute to pose them. Mm. Um, and if you're in the gold community, look at the way Gina poses te- television casts in the award ceremony shoots. They only it only takes an extra minute. But you, but that direction in the posing um, makes for an absolutely fantastic shot.
2: Yeah, um, just a couple more things I want to add to that. Val, um, mm. d- uh, Ron talks about like the pricing is being overlooked. Right, uh, it's the. Th- th- I get where you're going in the shooting for free uh, to build up the folio and that's great but like there has to be a point where uh, you do stop shooting for free because the danger in photographers shooting for free all the time is you get known for free or at a discount is you get known as the free or discount photographer so it's a really dangerous trap to fall in And, and Val I don't know a single other industry where this is okay and and why uh, like creatives tend to accept this as okay so if I went when I went for my coffee today I could if I use the same line that they use to creative so if I said to the guy at the cafe hey um I've got a lot of friends so if you give me my lunch and my coffee today for for nothing right I'm going to bring all my friends back and uh we're going to have coffee next time and uh we'll, we'll sort you out then that just let this one go for today. How's, how's that sound? We go to the hairdresser. Same thing. Um, can you can you do my hair for free today? And then down the track when I've got more money, um, I'll sort you out down the track. Or the butcher, can I have this lamb chop for nothing today? I know a lot of people. I'll get you places. It doesn't work. It's not... So how come we how come photographers accept that?
1: Well, it's not only photographers and I just want to disagree with you entirely. I'm a big believer, a big believer in getting some amazing breaks when you No, work no, for free. I'm not
2: disagreeing Val with shooting for free, but th- th- it can get to a point where they it, like I've gotten some great I I like I turned a free shoot into a $35,000 client okay but it's knowing um when to shoot for free and when people are taking advantage of you there's a difference
1: but by the same token if you don't feel that you are that you should charge if you feel that you should work for free then you people can feel that lack of confidence as well and they therefore they're not getting the best out of you
2: yeah but But there there has to be a time when you've got to bite the bullet and go, I've done my free stint now for the last couple of years. I need to start charging. I agree. I mean,
1: look, I I agree and it is a fine balance because there Mm. are people who, yes, like Gina says, do it for too long, but there are people who, in my opinion, do it too early and they they shouldn't be charging the things that they're charging. Oh
2: no, totally agree. I totally agree with that. But it's the I'm talking about the ones that just go for free for too long, and then or they'll come in at at the, like the discount rate when they they should be charging uh, like a, a you know a, a, an adequate rate for their services. They're undercharging because they don't believe in their, their themselves enough. So there's or they're getting two something out, the
1: or they're getting something else out of the equation. It really depends. Hmm. All right. So hot topic
2: that one. <laughs> yes. um, just just one final tip for Ron. Uh, if you're unsure at which of your shots are your hero shots, uh, go to somewhere like uh, what's. Uh, um you know those places that will print print um, your your stuff really cheap on uh, like A4 bits of paper or, or something like what, what printing places? What are they called? What's <laughs> the American equivalent? <laughs> Kinkos. Huh? Kinkos is that it? I'm so not you sure. can get like you know for twenty cents a sheet, you can get photos like low res even, but get your entire folio printed as A4, right? And then in your lounge room, just lay them all out lay the shots out and then you can like just cull until you come down, you know, you get down to your like best 20, pin them on a wall, look at them for a little while, change them around, and you'll really get a sense of which is the shot and maybe show it to someone else, get a few other eyes to look at it and find those, you know, heroes that – and that's what uh, folio uh, – people who create folios for photographers, that's what they do. That's the first thing they get you to do, print all your stuff – Lay it out and see how it flows and works together,
1: yeah, absolutely, because then it 'll show also the ones that look good next to each other, and that 's how you should be placing them exactly on the exactly, yeah, so hopefully this um, uh, this advice is useful to a lot of listeners who are thinking about how they should be marketing and presenting themselves, whether you do music photography or not. Mm. But, um, yeah, let's move on to – you have a little bit of trivia for us, do you, Gina, about Hunter S. Thompson? Well, so we were talking
2: about, Val, how, um, you know, I was suggesting there to photographers that they copy uh, other – uh, other photographers to to develop their styles and, that, and that's something that many artists do so I found out hunter s thompson the uh the, the 70s writer mm. um he he dropped out of school like um, middle school right mm-hmm. he decided he wanted to be a writer he really loved uh fitzgerald's Great Gatsby, he wanted to write in that style. He wanted to know what it felt like to write in that style. So he retyped The Great Gatsby several times.
1: (laughs) Several times? Yes.
2: Yes, and a lot of other um, uh, authors whose work that he loved. And so he got to feel what it felt like to be them. And, and like, that's very similar to, like, maybe, you know, taking a photographer that you love, finding – trying to work out what their lighting style is and copying it and getting a sense of that and then from there, developing your own style.
1: Okay, yeah, that's fantastic. That's a great Mm. story. Mm. So now... Shall we move on to the core of (laughs) this week's topic, which is how to get multiple shots and looks from your portrait photo shoots?
0: Yes. And
1: this goes beyond saying, saying to somebody, hey, bring five tops or five dresses yeah (laughs) because also sometimes not all of those tops or dresses work uh it's it's because you can't just chuck on a new top and take the same shot you actually want a different look and feel and ideally a different location because then people can use those shots in lots of different places it doesn't look like they've just chucked on a new top so i really like this because this is something that i often think about when i'm um doing shoots or uh, producing shoots is you know, how to get multiple shots and looks from from in the one photo shoot. So where do we start with this?
2: So um, I just want to talk about just quickly, um, so there there are times when... It's really important that when you're doing a portrait shoot, you want to get like maximum variety of shots and looks and poses out of your model because that, like if you're a a portrait photographer, you want to be able to um, give your client the most variety and then as a portrait photographer, you're going to then be able to sell more images and have a more successful shoot like it'll like there's going to be so many options that the client's going to like like want all the different shots um but but there are times when um, this this whole technique of changing up the and and so when you're shooting you're constantly changing up the 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 the, the pose, changing the the location, and uh, trying to get more more bang for their buck, right? Mm-hmm. But there are times when this can backfire. So like and and there are times when it shouldn't be used. So like the times when I don't suggest that you try this technique and many photographers think that they should is when you're going for a particular mood or emotion in a shot I, I recommend that you set up a shot and just go for that one shot rather than trying to change it up and change it up too much so if you're going for a particularly strong portrait with a lot of mood then I would just set it up Get the shot and don't change anything and just focus on the expression. And that's all you're doing because changing up the where the hands are, how the model is, what they're standing, what they're leaning, standing, sitting, all of that, you're never going to get that expression. So if you're just going for that that expression, just keep it really static and work in a slow, deliberate manner. So that's, that's one style of shooting that I'll do. But when I'm trying to get like uh, work for, say, a, a corporate client, when we're doing uh, headshots or I'm, I'm working for, say, uh, a, a magazine, I'm doing like a, a teen magazine where I might be doing some, some young hot heart throb, we want to get variety because they want to then get all the shots and have maximum uses for those shots. So, so this is what we're going to focus on uh, today, Val.
1: Okay, fantastic. Yeah, I love
2: it. So um, now th- th- there's two two different ways that a photographer will shoot. So uh, a photographer that is a little bit less confident in their ability to pose is going to prefer uh, to work with uh, a model that knows what they're doing and they'll tend to, um, if they're not um, confident about their posing, they will pick the model that that can pose and mm-hmm. leave it all to them. So, and I often hear like a photographer come away and say, uh, I didn't do so great today. The model wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And so, don't I, I? I think as a photographer, it's your responsibility. It, to, you, you can't blame the model. Now there are some some people that are easier to photograph than others. But if you're good at what you do and you've practiced and you know your stuff, you should be able to pull something good out of anyone that you photograph yeah. and uh, tailor the way you shoot to suit their personality. Some people are po- possibly more comfortable. Some people just seem to, you put them in front of a camera and they're just very relaxed and it tends to be the people that are um, less uh self-conscious like they're they're not in their heads like you ask them to do something and they do it and without thinking people who tend to live in their heads overthink every situation and are wondering how they're perceived when you're asking them to stand in a way so they question everything and it makes it a lot harder so you you learn to, to to sort of tailor the way you shoot to to suit the different person so um when when I'm working uh with a model, you see that there's uh like when you do say when I'm doing a fashion shoot Val, yes. there's the cliche uh, fashion shoot that you'll see on uh on on you know any movie or anything when you see the model just like changing like every single frame yes. they change yes. Gotta hate that. I
1: know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, and so, uh, whenever I'm doing. No, so Gina,
1: put, d- Gina doesn't mean they change clothes. No, they she change. She means they change their pose. pose. Mm-hmm. And, and this is
2: like completely out of my comfort zone because I'm used to being more hands on and in terms of like how I want models to pose. So, the first thing I have to do is uh, as soon as they start doing that, I say, that's great but we're going to change it up a little bit. I I need you to slow down. And I've almost got to retrain them to model Mm. in a different way. And so I'm going, I don't want you to change every frame. I don't want a different look for every frame because I find that way of working, it's really jerky and jolted Mm. and you kind of get okay shots. You might get a good one, but chances are they're going to be kind of, all just okay you're not going to get that that beautiful expression and connection which is what i'm going for in my shot so so i prefer that they hold each shot for maybe uh three five five to ten frames wow to get that shot so um if i'm looking at someone and it's like uh if we scroll down val there's a. Uh, I've given you a raw proof sheet in the show notes. Okay, of so we're a, going
1: to a, we're going to include all of the images that Gina's going to refer to in the show in the show notes, and um, you can find them at ginamilitia.com. dot
2: So uh, a fashion shoot I did for Piper Lane, where I've got the model and uh, I've. Uh, spoken to her about like uh, how how i wanted to work and so basically what i look for is i'll get her set up in the pose and uh in this in this particular shot i'm talking about i've got a model that's leaning up against the wall and i've got her sort of into a lovely s shape pose mm, yep. okay then I, I say to her now I just want you to um, hold the the arm pose. So she's brought her arms both up onto her hips, and she's holding that, kept the S pose. Now normally if I let her go, her feet would be moving, her arms would be changing, her head would be going in different directions, and I wouldn't be able to nail that shot I was after. But instead I've slowed her right down, kept that pose, and just got her to do slight tweaks Like one hand might come down, then I'll bring it back up. The Mm -hmm. head stays at the same direction, but I might bring her face like from profile back to me and back to profile. And I'm just continually looking through the camera and just tweaking, making micro adjustments Mm. to her body until I'm seeing and the client is seeing that the fabric is sitting right. The dress is looking right because we're selling the dress. Yep and we want everything right and we want to make sure that it all sits and flows well so that's how i work so i can so if i was doing the letting her go it's a lot harder to get that and i think that it comes out of a fluke as well. So, um, and, th- and that's just my personal preference. So
1: obviously uh, so- I've seen Gina shoot many times and I think one of the things, as she's mentioned, that does distinguish her from other photographers and the way she photographs is that every frame isn't wildly different to the next. As she said, they are actually micro-adjustments. So it's tilting your chin just one millimetre more to that direction or it's moving your hand just a couple of centimeters um you know ab- above and so those micro adjustments um because you're getting because they're only small you are getting closer and closer each time to the shot
0: to mm.
1: you know the money shot or whatever the exactly. hero shot so yeah. it, whereas if you change the pose dramatically each time you kind of lose that flow and you might have been 90% to the the hero shot in the last pose but now you're in a totally different pose yeah and so,
2: and, and it's like when you're watching a model go like that, where they're changing it up, changing it up, from the outside, you're going, oh, wow, this looks amazing, this looks amazing. But then you get your shots back and you go, oh, I just wish she had moved her head. Just a millimetre that way yeah. she would have looked better. Just So this is what I'm looking for and I'm making sure and I just keep shooting until I see it. And when you do enough of these, you finally do, you you, you start to see that moment where that shot all comes together and, and yeah. you've nailed that hero shot. Yeah. Um so Val, when it comes to like getting the most bang for for your buck, for your models' buck, for your buck, like making sure you're getting that maximum variety, because often when you're doing uh, portrait shoots, it's not like you can shoot for three days. Mm. So you might have someone um, say if you're doing uh, the the family portrait style shoot, the senior portrait style shoots, very popular um, with our uh, sort of American listeners, the, the, which is like uh, high school graduates. I think mm. I think. I think it's something that should should come into to australia soon that's great opportunity for someone to set up a business there those sorts of portraits or magazine style shoots or the corporate shoots where you want to get give your client the most variety i think Uh, it's best to sort of come up with a plan and work in an order so that you can easily uh, flow through a set of poses and get the most variety. So you're avoiding having those jerky movements happening. So basically, when I start, I like to warm them up. And Mm -hmm. so the first shoot shot I like to do is I want to start with something easy. And by starting with something easy, I want to start with a pose that I'm confident explaining and demonstrating one that I know works for everyone. And I know that if I do it to demonstrate it, I look good doing it. I look confident and the person watching me can go, oh, that looks good you look good there, your body looks good, I am I, I feel confident doing that. So you've already sort of sold them the shot. Yep. So I wouldn't go in front of uh, like a model and go, okay, I want you to do this avant-garde, you know, <laughs> Vogue pose where you know where that one where they stick their elbows in a funny way and they shut yeah. out their collarbones yes. and yes. you just look – anyone just looks ridiculous unless you're a supermodel, right? So I wouldn't do that. So I do one, like I'll do one, lean against the wall and uh, cross you. I know one that I know I'm comfortable with.
1: Yes.
2: Um, And then I work from there. So – I might um, have them leaning up against a wall, and then from there you can have that as a three-quarter shot. You can um, like do so much with it. So I've got another series of shots of Lester Ellis, where um, I'm showing that sort of flow posing from uh, standing to leaning to three-quarter to headshot. So in the one sort of series, you get. Uh, so many different shots, so um, the fir- the first lot of shots I've got, Lester, is just standing kind of side onto camera, and I start with just stand feet, feet apart, hands by your side, and then I just give, der- I'll, I'll get the head right, I'll get the vibe right, the whole stance, and when he's looking good, I'm asking him to just change up his hand movements, so his hands will go from button up his jacket to in his pocket to fixing his tie to one hand in one hand out and I'm just tweaking and then and, and then I might make another sweep back through there and then I'm just sort of micro adjusting the angle of his head and then when I've got that right I might come in and crop in tight shooting just a headshot through the shoulders and that's where the 70 to 200 is a beautiful lens because I can be uh, full length and then without moving the camera I can zoom in and do a three quarter shot of that angle just cropping just uh, mid thigh yeah. and then I can come in and do a full headshot crop from there if I've got him leaning against the wall I can do the same thing run through the same variety of poses hands in pockets bring them forward play with your jacket and then come in and do the, the tight head shot. So, so in, in that fact series you get, you
1: get you can get multiple shots and you don't you haven't even moved and they haven't moved.
2: They haven't even moved, and I'm mm. talking the whole time, Val, constantly mm. uh, sort of uh, telling them what to do. So um, I've also got uh, another series of shots where, like, you, you can tell uh, the era that I shoot in by, like, the, which studio, a particular studio, because I'll do the a, a section of that studio to death, because <laughs> it's like <laughs> I find my wall, or it'll be the back lane, or it'll be the side wall, yes. and then I go, I need to... Find another space to work in because <laughs> I've shot this to death. So there was one sort of grungy brick wall that I used a lot, and I really, but I just wanted to show like a number of shots that were done over maybe a space of a few months using that wall, where I could just show how much variety you can get just leaning someone uh, against a wall where you're shooting square onto them, and it's mm. like so you can have them leaning. Um, hands in pockets bring the hands up do it as a three-quarter shot you can have them sitting on the floor and just how easy it is to flow from standing to hands in pockets to leaning forward to three-quarter to then just get them to just to scooch down on the floor change the shape and then from there you can get so many different and beautiful shapes change the top different shot, different location, a different different vibe altogether and, and a completely different shot. So um, mm-hmm. and just uh, with the flow posing, you, you can also um, start with someone, uh, bring them down, sitting down on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's not far, a far stretch to get the three-quarter shot there and then once they're sitting on the ground, it's not hard to get them to, and particularly with guys, just to maybe roll on their tummy, mm. right? And then, um, and then, they're, and then they're, um, you can get a three-quarter shot of that and it, it, like you've got a whole variety of stuff there too, Val.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's all in the cropping as well because sometimes even if they are sitting on the ground or lying on the ground, the way you crop, it, it, you can't even tell that they're on the ground.
2: Yeah, so you'd obviously want to think about um, who it is that you're working with in terms of like, it's not one size fits all in terms of the formula either, Val, so like um, if I was going to be doing someone sitting sitting uh, against a wall and then rolling over onto their tummy and then a tight crop, that's not going to work for, say, uh, a CEO.
1: You know, <laughs> right yeah
2: sure (laughs) it's just like you're not going to ask them to do that even (laughs) if it was like lying across the desk that's ridiculous (laughs) so that's something that you might do for say like you know a a, a young you know teen heartthrob or a young model or a you know senior portrait but like it's also worth thinking about um you know, how you're positioning and what sort of series of of, of poses you might do. So if I was working with the CEO and I wanted a sort of more powerful vibe, I might just stick to the wall series or the freestanding series where you just work his hands and things like that. Or her hands. Or her hands Mm -hmm. too. So a few things to think about there, Val.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I love it. So um, if you guys are doing portrait shoots have a think about even if you are your aim is only to get one. Particularly, say you're you know shooting some band photos at 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 at, sc- at a high school or something. You often don't need that variety of shots. Use that opportunity though to put some of these ideas into practice and try the option where you are, as as Gina says, leaning against the wall, but doing the the head shot, the three quarter shot, the full length shot. Think about doing the micro adjustments because mm. sometimes they can lead you to the hero shot um, quicker than if you're just trying a whole heap of really different, way different Random. options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and have a look at the show notes so you can see what Jean is talking about. She's included all of the, as she says, the proof sheets. So you huh. can see um, uh, how, in one photo shoot, quite a number of different looks can be achieved. Sometimes, where the person hasn't even moved or changed. (laughs) And not even entire proof sheets that I've included, like I've edited down.
2: So like, you know, I would have uh, 10 to 15 of each different look, but I just wanted to condense them so that people could see the variety in poses that I was getting. So,
1: All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. What should our hashtag Gina Challenge be this week, Gina? While you're thinking of that, <laughs> if, if you're new to this podcast, every week we have hashtag Gina Challenge and what that is, is uh, a theme or topic. So it might be hashtag black and white or hashtag portraits or hashtag water or hashtag reflections or whatever. And we during the week, we take the time to go and shoot based on that topic or theme and upload the photos to social media or to the Facebook group or to the gold community if you're in the gold community um, uh, on on Gina's site, and if you aren't familiar with the gold community, it's an awesome community. Awesome, awesome dynamic group of members who are just killing it and every month you get new tutorials hope you find them interesting would love your feedback on them Uh, a lot of advice from gina photo critiques from gina um, and a whole range of other resources including free lightroom presets if you are part of the gold community if you'd like to find out more then go to GinaMilitia.com and click on join the community But, yes, I digress. What is hashtag Gina Challenge for this week?
2: Going with the flow.
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) Hashtag Gina Challenge, hashtag going with the flow. All right. So make sure you tag your images that you upload on social media with going with the flow so that we see them Um, (laughs) or upload them into the Facebook group. But, uh, Gina, what are you up to in the coming week?
2: Oh, my God. Uh, so I've got uh, some corporate shoots to do uh, this week, and then I'm also in pre-production for uh, a couple of uh, like a big TV shoot and then another big uh, several-day shoot. And then also, Val, mm. we're in pre-production for yes. a course that we're working on. So we just found our location that we're going to be filming in.
1: Yep. <laughs> and, it's uh, going to be my- fun.
2: There might be a cooking segment from there, Val. <laughs> no, <laughs> there won't. <weren't>. No, <laughs> you're going to do something, and we you going to upload some shots from um, a time lapse for us. I was, Belle? but I haven't Where been to the
1: office. I, ha- I go there tomorrow. Okay. Good. I haven't been to the office to be okay. able to do the time lapse of the okay. Harbour Bridge and the Opera House. So, good. can't it's, wait. It's coming. It's coming. Great. But yes, it's very exciting. We're producing a course called "How to Get Off." auto and onto manual mode and uh, some, and, and we want to explain it in a really straightforward, really clear way so that you can do it in 30 minutes mm-hmm. and be confident in 30 minutes to get off auto onto manual mode and when you get onto manual mode, it is so much more rewarding in terms of the kind of shots you can re- produce because you can manipulate so much more and um, so it's absolutely worth it absolutely you know worth getting onto manual mode and understanding what your camera can do in manual mode so uh until we chat to you again everyone where do we find you online gina so i'm at
2: gina and so that's m-i-l-i-c-i-a you can find me on instagram at gina militia and twitter at gina militia i think
1: that's it. And you'll find me at Valerie Koo on Twitter and Instagram. And just search for Valerie Koo on uh, Facebook and you'll find me there. Um, I am the Valerie Koo on Snapchat.
2: I'm useless on Snapchat. Okay.
1: Oh. <laughs> we'll get That's you That's not on my to username. It. it should be
2: <laughs>
1: the useless.
2: I might change my name.
1: <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, we look forward to chatting to you again next week. Thanks, guys.